0: This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations. Observations and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Mm. to reintroduce myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic.
1: Mama, there goes that man. You know what time it is when we play public service announcement. Willie P. Seriously? Seriously? Yeah, seriously, folks, we're not lying to you. Voice of Charlotte FC hopping on the Body Works Plus guest hotline to talk about the breaking news. Charlotte FC has a new manager and it's a familiar name. Maybe not the same person, though. Dean Smith, the new manager of Charlotte FC. Willie, how many Dean Smith jokes should we hurl your way during this interview? Because have you heard enough of them yet? I, I'd,
2: I'd settle for zero,
1: Walker.
3: Uh, I've, I've seen
2: all of them. I've heard all of them. Uh, even when he was named as a finalist, we started getting some of them. And uh, I have to say, I'm uh, I'm already tired of them. So uh, if you could refrain, uh, I, I'd appreciate
1: it. No, but before we move on, I do want to know how you think his implementation of the four corners yeah, offense will work with this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did want yeah, to know. Done,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I knew it was coming
1: i'm sorry Willie, Willie, we gotta do it i gotta ask you let, let's ask about the real dean smith now here at least in charlotte okay we can ask about charlotte fc the new manager this dean smith what makes this dean smith different and what can you tell us about
2: him well his experience definitely is something that is to be very much admired uh he's honestly the most experienced manager that Charlotte FC has had and uh, that's by a long shot when you compare the first two and that's not to denigrate those first two gentlemen but he brings 10 years of experience in the English football league and his last three gigs all came uh, at the Premier League level so when you think about that uh, it's somebody who comes in with a definitely a lot of high level experience he's got a history of developing players there's a lot of guys who uh, succeeded under his tutelage, including Jack Grealish, who is very, very prominent now with Manchester City. Uh, also, got Villa from 13th place the previous season before he took over and in 15th place when he took over midseason. Uh, two years after that, he was in his uh, uh, basically in a, in a playoff final getting himself and his team to the Premier League. So, when you think about uh, the abilities that he brings to the table and uh, the clubs that he has managed, It's somebody who brings a very attack-minded style, uh, something that's honestly not too dissimilar to what Charlotte was trying to play, uh, just not necessarily doing so successfully. So uh, I'm curious to see how he takes his style and tries to mold it to uh, the personnel he's going to inherit and potentially also recruit to play here at Charlotte.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess, is there going to be a dramatic difference? It doesn't seem like it with this hire based on what we saw last year, right?
2: Well, I think there is going to be a difference in thinking the personnel. I think given the way that Charlotte FC ended last year, uh, there were some guys who I think very much came into form. You think of Kerwin Vargas, who I think really shone during the last part of the season. but. There were also rumor mills of potentially players moving on, including potentially Carol Sviderski. Uh We haven't necessarily heard anything to that effect yet. The The window doesn't open until January in terms of when players can move on. So I think that news will definitely come uh, in the offing if it, is, if it does come at all. But I think you're looking for Charlotte FC to add some players, add some pieces that more fit what Dean wants to do. And. I think one of the things that they wanted to figure out from a managerial standpoint is get somebody who was going to attract some talent and attract some players. I don't know if necessarily the last manager was somebody who you felt like could do that from just his own name recognition standpoint, Dean Smith as a name will definitely bring players to Charlotte. And, and I expect a transformative off season ahead for Rezor and Caneta and the sporting department.
1: It's Willie P joining us on the body works plus guest hotline sports radio, 92, seven W So yeah, I was going to ask you that question here as well, Willie with his track record success, actually being in the premier league. Do you think that is going to bring a lot of credibility to this hire and even bring credibility to Charlotte FC a little bit more so?
2: Oh, well, it definitely does, and it's very rare. I mean, there's it's always going to be people who wanted, you know, other guys in the in the finalist process. You know, there were a lot of names that were thrown out there. You know, Bruce Serena was thrown out there, I think. Mostly by his camp, uh, there was the Ole Gunnar Solshare uh, scenario, the former Manchester United head coach, who apparently had visited Charlton F.C.'s facility. But when you think about all the the people who were looked at as you know realistic candidates that Charlton F.C. actually looked towards, and and when they got down to their four finalists, and was the only one that I uh, think at least had any kind of name recognition alongside Dean Smith was Frank Lampard, and when you compare the two guys, Lampard as a, as a player was somebody who you looked at and said, hey, you know, he's a great, great player, but not so much of the success happening as a manager, uh, I think that was kind of the one strike against Lampard there, and so when you think about uh, a player, uh, or sorry, a manager who players want to come play for, I think Dean Smith definitely fits that bill, and uh, I think you can definitely look at some of the other guys who have succeeded, you know, I mean Martinez, who is a great international goalkeeper, was was under a Dean Smith-led squad, and Ollie Watkins as well. Uh, these are names that are, are household names in the soccer industry worldwide, and so w- when you have a head coach who can walk into a meeting touting those bona fides, you're going to have an opportunity to sign some high-level
1: talent. Well, and Willie, it sounds like bringing him on, it really it comes down to a decent amount of it bringing more talented players to the roster as well. So if are are we looking at this in like a, a two years down the road type of thing where maybe that's how long he has to have an impact in order to bring over some new players and how much of this hire can be justified based off of his own success and the type of style that he does bring to this team does does a lot of it have to do with okay he's going to bring over some bigger names to this roster
2: well i i don't know if it's necessarily a wait and see scenario i mean i do feel like that there's a proper level of patience that has to be taken, but I also think if you look at his track record, he's he's into quick turnarounds, and by quick, I mean he definitely instills a a way of doing things, and he gets players uh, not only to buy in, but also gets players to come in from a transfer standpoint. And, and you know, like I said, his his team that he took over at Aston Villa in the first season he took over, he took over a team mid-season that was 15th in the table. He got them from 15th in the EFL championship up to fifth and playing in the EFL playoff final. He lost that one. But then the next year he came back and they were up to also in that you know fourth, fifth range. He got themselves into uh, the playoffs and won over Frank Lampard's Derby County and got themselves into the Premier League. So I don't think it's a scenario where you look at it and say, this is a wait and see. I think Charlotte FC wanted to get the best Uh, the best person to not only have an immediate impact, but also somebody who's going to build a foundation for years to come.
1: Willie Premier, play-by-play on the pitch. Palachik joining us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Willie, obviously coming off of a playoff berth, do we think that if, so what's the next goal here, right? With Dean Smith now coming aboard, should should the goal be get even further into the postseason standings, maybe win a game and then be set up for sustained success?
2: Well, I think it's, it's to get yourself solidly into, you know, the playoff conversation and the way that the MLS playoff birth, uh happens, or at least when, uh, the way that the uh, the format happens, I should say, is that if you get into that, you know, top six, top seven scenario, you are at least guaranteed the opportunity to host one playoff game. And uh, if you get in that uh, that top half scenario, you're obviously hosting the first game and potentially an equalizing third game. So I think that's kind of the next goal is to try to get yourself into that uh, secure in-playoff scenario, be at least guaranteed the one home playoff game, and, and then potentially advancing on forward. You know, we've seen uh, teams in this league ascend to the top very, very uh, quickly. This is a team, and a league rather, that's, built mostly on parity, A lot of these teams, very much like the NFL, are meant to kind of finish at the 500 mark, and then it's the other intangibles, you know, the coaching, the player development, uh, the player recruitment that gets you up over the hump. Look at a team like Cincinnati, a team that was perpetual spooners, comes in this past year and, you know, wins the hold-on regular season. They fall short of the uh, ultimate goal in the championship uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference final, losing to the eventual champion, Columbus, but This is definitely a league where you can definitely ascend, uh, quickly. And, uh, it it only takes, you know, the right person in charge and, uh, potentially also some right player movements as well throughout uh, the next couple of months.
1: Not only is he the voice of Charlotte FC, you can hear him on post game coverage for the Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers. It's Willie positive Panther pontificator Pelagic, joining us now on the body works plus guest hotline. Willie, I'm not sure we ever got your thoughts on the athletic article that dropped last week with Diana Rossini, Joe person discussing what seems like dysfunction with the Panthers organization. Did you have a main takeaway from that article that dropped?
2: Well, it, it the main takeaway, I think, is that there was some definite uh, going behind some backs when it came to uh, the coaches who were trying to get at least uh – the ship righted if you will and for whatever reason uh the uh, the person who was the head coach you know didn't necessarily come off looking very good but i don't think the assistants came off really good as well because anytime you're talking about you know dudes snitching around it's not necessarily a good thing but th- there is uh, i think of an air among uh those who at least you know are trying to get this thing right over there that it isn't going to come you know with some magic uh bullet or some sort of you know one decision that's made. I think there definitely needs to be some greater decisions made in the offseason in terms of, you know, what direction you're going in, you know, how you get the best uh, group around Bryce from a personnel standpoint, not only with the skill positions, but also from the interior. I think the, the offensive line was very much an over Uh, I would say, heights group, just because I think we thought that it was going to be a lot better. But, you know, there's also talk about the scheme being uh, something that doesn't necessarily fit what their skill set is. So uh, I'm curious to see what the moves look like this offseason, but uh, it didn't really come off well looking uh, when it came to anybody in terms of uh, those who were involved there.
1: Willie Prince of the Pick and Pop Palachik joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You also talk about the Charlotte Hornets providing postgame coverage there. It feels like Brandon Miller, Terry Rogier even as of late. But Brandon Miller has been a real beam of light during this season that has been underwhelming. What have you made of the Brandon Miller performance so far this year?
2: I think it's been very encouraging. Uh I think about the there was one moment last night where, you know, he made a, a really in rhythm three when the Hornets needed it the most and, and also had, you know, the big fourth quarter as well in this contest when he was trying to fight off foul trouble. Uh that's something that you're not always talking about when it comes to rookies and you know, the one thing I'm always very interested in is is the opposing uh media You know, I go down and I usually sit in uh, Steve Clifford's 515 uh, pregame media briefing, and it seems like every one of these opposing media factions tries to ask a question about Brandon Miller, and I've heard him repeat this dialogue and this discourse almost on a nightly basis where... He says, look, this guy gets it uh, from the moment that he took our uh, our first practice. You, you knew he was going to be a little bit different than most rookies that come into the league and, and have an immediate impact. Uh, he's a great shooter. I think he's even a better defender than most guys are when they come right into the league. And, and I also think he's got a basketball IQ that's well beyond his years. It's all about whether or not he can, you know, keep it up consistently over an 82 game schedule. I think we always kind of talk a lot about the rookie wall in terms of, you know, when guys effectiveness potentially can take a little bit of a downturn, but I think he's somebody, you know, the immediate returns on him are incredibly impressive. And, and that's for a guy who I felt like from a lot of people's perspective, maybe preferred preferred Scoot Henderson uh, based on the, some of the pre-draft conversations that were involved around Brandon Miller. A lot of them on the court, some of them off the court. But uh, I do feel like it's something where, uh, he, at least from an on-court standpoint, has won over a lot of people, myself included.
1: Willie, last question. I did want to go back one more question to Dean Smith. Do you trust his assistant, Bill Guthridge, whenever it's time for Smith to hang him up? Really? That's where we're going. <laughs> that is Willie. Popular promo with public service announcement. Palachic joining us on Wes and Walker. Willie, I love you. We appreciate all the breakdown of the new hire of Charlotte FC and getting their new manager uh, integrated into the system. We appreciate it. So slap the bald man next to you for me. <laughs> all right, will do. It's, gonna, it's a little bit of a distance for me, but I'm, I'm going to try to do that the best that I can. That'll do it.
0: You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.
1: The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.
0: Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show.
4: Let's talk to a longtime NBA media member uh, with Metal Ark Media. Also's got his own substack, we'll tell you all about as well. He is Tom Haberstrow, a proud wake man, and he joins us here on the Mac and Bone Show. Tom, what's going on, man? How you doing?
5: Not a whole lot man just here in Charlotte enjoying some dry weather after a rainy Sunday but uh, yeah how you guys doing We're oh, hanging it in
6: rains Tom it rains a lot on our Sundays around right here <laughs> <laughs> Tom do you let me, let me ask you this I
4: know you're a basketball guy by trade right do you living in Charlotte do you pay any attention to the Panthers or do you have your own favorite team or have you just can you not watch the Panthers cuz your eyes will bleed what's your relationship with the home team
5: Wait, the Panthers have it. there's a football team here?
4: <laughs> yeah, we've we seen a lot of it, yeah. Oh, God, I wish I didn't know about them. Oh
5: yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm a I'm a weight guy. I'm a Wake Forest football fan. We didn't have a good year. Um, so it was, it was a tough year from that respect. I try to go to as many weight games as I can, but Panthers games, uh, no, I'm, I'm covering the NBA, and until they get like a winning outfit or something to rally behind, I'm probably going to check out on that. It's been a, it's been a rocky run.
6: That's fair. That's yeah, fair. I, I, respect, I respect that more than you know. Uh, Tom, will Melo ball off to an absolutely superstar like beginning to his 23 24 season? Gets injured again. How much long term concern do you have with? How much will Melo gets injured, and it doesn't seem to ever be a thing that's stopping.
5: Yeah, it's super concerning, and I know the compa- the comparisons are to Charlotte's own Stephen Curry and how many ankle issues he had in the beginning of the, his career. Um, I would be careful about drawing that that comparison. Um, that seems like you know, if anyone is six nine, you can probably say, "Oh, LeBron's six nine. I'm going to be like that guy." I mean, Stephen Curry is one of one. I mean, he is an incredible story coming out of Charlotte and having those ankle injuries and beating those ankle injuries. It was it was a miracle that he was able to do that. So, bank, banking on like a winning the lottery with the ankle issues like Stephen Curry did uh, is a totally different thing. I, I would I would caution against saying using that as like a, a comparison, especially because Stephen Curry, in terms of discipline and work ethic. Uh, it's hard to find anyone in the NBA, maybe LeBron, uh, who measures up to the same care that he takes with his body and care that he takes with his work ethic and putting in the hours and consulting with the medical experts and making sure that he's regimented and doing everything he can to have a 20-year career. So th- there's two parts of that. And then secondly, you know, when you talk about young talents in the league, LaMelo well, Ball, he's, he's incredible. He's a, he's an amazing passer. He's got an incredibly great, um, you know, deep three point shot. He's got the vision. Uh, He plays with a certain joy, Uh, but I got to say, you know, for the longest time, we've been hearing about how unlucky they were with injuries. And maybe, Hey, when LaMelo and Gordon Hayward play together, um, Miles Bridges play together, then we can assess the team. I don't know, man, like LaMelo and Gordon Hayward played 14 of the first 15 games, this season and they still don't have a 10 point victory, a double digit victory. They're the only team in the NBA that does not have a double digit victory on their hands, And that's with largely a pretty good roster in terms of the health up until this point. So it's, it's been tough this year and LaMelo was playing great, but everything else, it just feels like this is a transitional year. Once again, And
4: you mentioned transitional year, obviously big transition to new owners, Plotkin and Schnall. Michael Jordan, you know, no longer um, the controlling owner of this team. If you are those gentlemen, are you viewing this as, you know, unless they make some, you know, amazing run and really improve, this is our opportunity to get our guys in there in terms of GM and coach. Is Is that how you think the owners have to be looking at this?
5: I would assume so. I mean, that's every ownership group, right? Every ownership group that takes over a team, especially one that has been floundering like the Hornets franchise. They're going to, just like anyone who's buying a new house, right? You're going to go into that house and you're going to make it your own. And I think these guys coming from the private equity and financial world, um, they know the the opportunity that's in front of them because they, they have they have a really big task in front of them. In NBA league circles, the reputation of the Charlotte Hornets franchise is that they're cheap. They don't spend money, and the numbers don't lie. Over the last five years, the Charlotte Hornets have spent a hundred million dollars less than the average NBA team. Um, they ranked 29th in payroll over the last five seasons, and I don't have the data going back further than that, but probably would tell you a similar story. Is you know they've spent uh, $600 million in payroll. And the average team is about 7.2. Um, the only team that is less in terms of their payroll over that time period, over the last five years is the Oklahoma city thunder and Sam Presti and the Oklahoma city thunder are the, you know, they're the gem of the NBA right now because they built in the draft, they built in the, in their terms of the culture of the team, Um, And they had a vision, a clear vision after the Russell Westbrook era and Chris Paul left. They were going to build through the draft and be lean and mean and look at what they have right now. So they're hitting in the draft, like just like they did, you know, uh, with the Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. But they've also been very frugal in making sure they don't go out and sign Gordon Hayward. Right. And if they do get a trade off of Kemba Walker. They make sure that they get draft assets and they don't overspend for Terry Rozier. Those are big contracts. And for what? Um, so they didn't bottom out like the Oklahoma city thunder did. And they're right in the middle of the NBA, just like uh, they typically have. And I just think that's a lesson for this new regime is if you want to be frugal, you need to spend money in the right areas. And that's where Oklahoma city did. And look at what they're doing now.
6: We're talking to Tom Haberstroh, the finder Substack, also, Metal Lark Media on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Tom, last Friday, a a rumor was sort of out there from Jake Fisher of Yahoo that the Hornets may look to move on relatively soon and try to trade Miles Bridges because they don't feel that Miles will be back here next year. He will be a free agent. Does that, does that make sense to you, that they look to try to find value for Miles as he's gotten back to basketball? Or do you say, wait a minute, you went through all that, for Miles to come back, and now you're trying to trade him already? What's your reaction when you hear a uh, rumor about the Hornets possibly looking to move Miles Bridges?
5: Well, first of all, Jake Fisher at Yahoo is one of the best reporters in the biz. So if he's saying it, yeah. I, I you can put stock in it, okay? So secondly, I think, again, when it comes to new ownership, they're going to put their stamp on this, on this team. And I think there's going to be a strong push, um, just reading the tea leaves, a strong push to try to – start with a clean slate in this organization and try to figure out a way to disconnect from the previous organization in the sense of, Hey, this is a new, uh, a new start. This, we're going to have to change things around here. And I think miles bridges, one of the reasons why they brought him back is maybe they could, um, you know, flip him at the deadline. If he does, uh, you know, come back and play nicely, which he has, he's been, he's been solid. Um, and be able to flip him. So I, I do think that that is going to be part of the calculus going into the deadline. The question is whether they can get um, some, you know, second round picks or a first round pick possibly protected for Miles Bridges. Because there will be teams that will want that, um, especially considering there's new ownership and the league knows that this new ownership will be looking to assess everything under their roof to make it their own.
4: We're talking with Tom Haberstroh, longtime NBA insider, Metalark Media. Um, also at TomHaberstroh.com. Check out a link to his Substack as well and see what he has to say. Tom, two other guys um, that around trade deadline, I'm sure there's going to be talk about. You know, especially if this team does not start winning at a more rapid rate, are Gordon Hayward. That's an expiring contract, so that obviously 30 million expiring is going to be you know valuable to somebody else. Um, but it also could be valuable to the Hornets by just not doing anything. And then there's Terry Rozier. What do you do with him? How do you feel about those two guys and whether or not the Hornets should should shop those guys around the
5: deadline? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head is that Gordon Hayward is very valuable to opposing contenders as a, as a guy who's on an expiring deal as a rental, uh, but also really a- appealing to the Charlotte Hornets front office that, are looking at their cap sheet and saying, "Oh, that's that's going to be a nice relief after the season." Once Lamelo Ball's extension comes in to play next year, um, I think if you're the Hornets, you might look into the market and try to move Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier uh, for more draft capital um, and not add more long-term money. So Terry Rozier has long-term money on his deal. Uh, so if you're going to try to you know flip those those guys for for something. You want to make sure that you get young players or long-term assets rather than paying you know, $30 million for a veteran guy uh, like Terry Rozier when the team, I think, is going to be going through uh, upheaval in terms of the roster. So they've got some really nice young pieces, but I think Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier, if you can strike while the iron's hot and, and try to move them or try to get as much as you can while they're still healthy, because as you've seen with the injuries with the team lately, uh, you know, it's it's tough to keep you know expecting that. Oh, well, you know, we'll just wait on a trade, or we'll wait till the to til the you know the trade deadline. By the time that happens, you never know what the health of the team. So, um, you know, this is this is uh, a transitional year with Steve Clifford. He is in the last year of his guaranteed deal. Next year, there's a team option. Um, so, everything I think at this point, it's going to be tough to you know keep Steve Clifford around. If you know they move into that youth movement without Gordon Hayward and uh, and Terry Rozier because he loves those guys and that's going to be really tough for a veteran coach to be coaching a bunch of twenty year olds. But that's the reality of the NBA, and I, I do suspect that if the season continues again, they have nine double digit losses this season and zero double digit wins. They have five of those wins are with one possession, so it is it is very within the realm of possibility that this team could be like the Detroit Pistons at two and 19 um, instead of seven and 13. Cause of the fact of the matter is they've gotten so many close wins um, on their ledger and a, an errant ball, a bad bounce this way or that way, it could be a lot uglier. So I think this is a, a real look in the mirror moment for the Charlotte Hornets, especially with LaMelo ball out.
4: No doubt. By the way, for a second there, Bone, uh, I I forgot who Tom was talking about. It sounded also like the Panthers.
6: <laughs> it really did. All those double-digit losses. <laughs> Tom, God, uh, go did. ahead and promote your content there, man, your sub-stack and all your work you're doing right now.
5: Yeah, uh, it's TomTheFinder.com. I have a Substack. I cover the NBA. You can also catch me on League Pass. I'm covering the Portland Trailblazers on their TV broadcast every single game. Tonight, they got another one. And I'm also uh, at Metalark Media. Go check all... Uh, the stuff over there. But, yeah, TomTheFinder.com. Go subscribe to Charlotte's Own.
4: Awesome. There you go. He's a Charlotte guy, although he doesn't seem to be watching quite as much. You can tell why he's happier than us, Bone. is not watching quite as much (laughs) Panthers as we are. (laughs) All right, brother, we always appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for coming on with us.
0: You got it. Anytime. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant Replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this week on The Kyle Bailey Show... Over 15,000 total yards. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. 16 NFL seasons. If you see this face, that me, be Five Pro Bowls and countless memories. When a dog gets an X-ray, they've got that Steve Smith inside their ribcage. Steve Smith is a WFNZ.
7: Ice up, son. NFL Network analyst, Carolina Panthers legend, man about town, good friend of the show, and a pretty good guy, Steve Smith, senior, back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline for his weekly Panther check-in, and uh, especially at one and twelve, we appreciate Steve coming in to drop a little knowledge on us. Mr. Smith, how are things this week? Uh, they right. <laughs> right. All right, I like to start. I like to start. Um, we were just man, listen. What you got? I
3: got, crick, I got a crick in my neck. What happened? I'm on a struggle bus. Oh, my goodness. you sleep weird? I, yeah, kind of, yeah. I think it was, a, uh, it was a reaction to that game I watched last yesterday. That's why. So, oh. I'm, I'm on a struggle
7: bus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Hey, let me ask you a question that we were just talking about during the break. Um, you've seen some highs and lows in your career. You were a part of 2001, 2010. Uh, you've talked about that on this show. And with four games to go, you know, we were talking about Chris Tabor giving the team the day off today and, um, you know, folks sharing concerns about keeping the locker room together over these last four weeks. If you can, just take us inside the locker room down the stretch of a season like this and, you know, what it's like in that room week to week as these coaches who are still very much on an interim basis and probably plotting their next move over these next four weeks, you know, still have a job to do in keeping everybody together. What's that locker room like these next couple of weeks? <laughs>
3: The locker room, I, I think, to some degree, it's uh, the locker room is good or bad, no matter what the the outcome. Just because it's part of your job, uh, what can alter or change it, really is uh, how the coaches are. And what I mean by that is, like, you can you know you can get overcoached, you can get undercoached, uh, but they start emphasizing things that right that you're coaching up someone. I give you a great example. Just this just came to mind. So the Buffalo the, the Buffalo Bills, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots they cut was that Ty Tyler Montgomery. Or Ty Montgomery. Mm-hmm. They released him for making an error uh, on special teams, if I recall. I remember reading that. And my first thought was, have, have they not watched that football game? <laughs> I, there's a number of people making errors and you going to single him up. But that comes with, you don't always know what's going on, right? A guy made a mistake in the game. You don't, you don't know what led up to his removal is because possibly there have been other areas, He maybe have been late to a meeting or something happened that that was kind of like the cup runneth over. In in this time right now, you got to make sure, not pantering or or, or kind of making sure everybody walk on eggshells, but you got to let some of these guys also be human. Like I hate when you're having a losing season, if a coach comes in the locker room and guys are joking, then in the, the meeting y'all are over here jaw jacking around and laughing like like we're not, um, you know, one in twelve. Whether you 1-12 or 12-1, you still got to have a sense of humor. You still got to look at ball. You still have to look at life for what it is. You know, yes, you got to be thankful. But then there's also parts of it where, let's be honest, bro, ain't nobody coming to say them right now. Mm -hmm. It It ain't nobody on the street, and there's no one really in the organization right now that can fix this season. They can fix next year. They can fix the off season, the draft, the combine. There's a number of things that leads up to today. I mean, leads up to next year. But to be, to look and to have these guys under a microscope at what they're eating, right? I, I remember coaches used to do this. They would, you know, give us a a practice off or maybe we didn't hit before the new rules came in and then the coach after we lost, oh, I knew we were going to not play well and not have finish with our pass forward. I shouldn't. Well, why are you going to wait till after we took the L? Why don't, why, why weren't you coaching us up during the process? And so th- that's the only thing that I hope happens is that allow these, these guys, these young men to still live their life and, and, and try to be okay with the situation because you can't control it, and you can't fix it, right? And, like, I look at this offense, I look at the game, lack of explosiveness on the offense. The receivers struggling with the routes, and the routes are struggling with the receivers, right? That, that's just where we are right now.
7: Yeah, um, I, yes. I, I'm glad you said that. I really am, because I'm very, there are, like, three questions that I know I have to ask you in this conversation. Everything else is house money, right? So I'm going to start with this. You know, because well, we, is it a, hold on, hold on.
3: Is it a good house money? Because right now, it ain't a lot of money in that house and right now, boy.
7: <laughs> I mean, Steve, I didn't say it was a lot of money. I just said it was some house money. I just said, I just said, I just said it was a lot of money. I just said it was some house money. There's three questions, right? Let's start with this. Um, how did you think that Bryce Young played yesterday? Given what you just said about the routes and the receivers and everything, like how do how did he play? Let's start there.
3: I mean, he was under duress, I could tell you that. Uh, my man was running. He 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 made some plays with his feet. Um, he never really cons- He never really got the opportunity to settle in. And then when he did have the opportunity to settle in, he wasn't really sure if he could really settle in. So it was it was kind of like it's the chicken or the egg, which one came first? Right. And and the sad part is uh, um, that offense looked like scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm.
7: Okay. So now with Bryce. You know, there are a lot of folks looking at, hey, Frank's gone. It's the remnants of his offense. Nothing's really changing, as you you just alluded to, right, a couple of minutes ago. So there are a lot of folks that think, well, hey, you're doing more harm by leaving him out there these next four games than you might be by sitting him, letting Dalton finish the season, and just starting over this offseason. What would you say to those that think maybe sitting Bryce for the next four games might do him some good?
3: Well, if you sit him for the next four games, you're almost sitting him and, and presenting it like punishment. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, there are going to be teachable moments. Uh, there are teachable moments in in the game, right? There on on one of the passes that he threw, he I remember it was like it was near the the last of the third and two, fourth and one, and then in the game, he looks to the right, and he's looking to the right where that's Adam Thielen, and and before anybody says anything, every every quarterback has a guy that they look to. That's why they're called number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. So when people say, oh, he's always staring down such and such, well, he should because that's why he's getting paid. His, the number one wide receiver should be the first and last look. That's, that's the whole purpose. That's why some of these guys are getting paid all the amount of money the APY they are because that is their designated job to be the first look. So let's get that out the way. He has a route underneath. He gets to it later, but it was too late because the rush came. And so I I noticed that, but that's just comes with time. It doesn't help. And when he has time, he may be looking at he chose the wrong side. And then there's times where he's chosen the right side. And then something happens or he gets hit. Right? He steps up in a pocket, about to throw it, and the ball hits someone's helmet as a fumble. Then there was a double move that they ran and they ran a the route and the ball ball placement wasn't great. It went a little bit further than the, deep, than the wide receiver was able to get the pass. You saw that. Mm-hmm. Tight end, receivers. It was consistently ball placement wasn't at its best. But the fact of the matter is, he was trying to put the ball up there and give his wide receivers an opportunity. Can't coach that.
7: All right, Steve, um, what's the fix? And to be clear, I'm not asking you who they should hire. That's not what I'm asking you. But they, you. they're they going to have to start over again this offseason. So just philosophically, right, I'm looking at Miami and thinking, okay, you can try to build something like that. You can go find a bunch of speed. No, you can go try to do something of a, you know, kind of like what the Houston's done this year offensively. But just generally speaking, what's the fix to take this quarterback that you've given up so much for and, you know, in the search for a new coach, like what, what's the fix to get this back on track, Steve?
3: Well, if you compare it to Houston, right, some people are saying that I'm never going to sit here and say that a quarterback makes a receiver or a receiver makes a quarterback. You got to have both, right? Mustard and mayonnaise makes whatever. If it's egg salad, tuna salad, chicken salad, what it is. Anybody trying to have no dry whatever protein on the on the on some bread? So you got to you, you got to put something with it. Mm-hmm. What they need to do, and I look at Houston. Houston in the beginning of the season, they had, I believe, fourteen through agent free agency and the draft. They have fourteen wide receivers, and the reason I'm bringing it up is that team, the Houston Texans, because I watched the game, looked different without Tank Dell. They looked different without Dalton Schultz, <clears throat> and I was looking at the Rams game. I watched the Rams and, and Ravens game. One of the interesting things that I, I saw that very similar that reminds me of Carolina, a lot of in-breaking routes, a lot of uh, guys going in motion. Go back and watch that Rams game and watch how the uh, Ravens play them at times. It looked very similar. Cooper Cup goes in motion, inserts in the blocking game. You got the wide receivers using a, being used in a blocking game. The problem is, Their offensive line was finishing a lot better and sustaining their blocks than us. The Rams run a lot of in-breaking routes. The problem with the in-breaking routes with Carolina is, one, your quarterback needs enough time to process and go through it. But you can't go through the progressions and be under duress because when you saw with Matthew Stafford, even though he played well, At times, Matthew Stafford made the same mistakes. He was chucking the ball up. And then you go back to Houston and the the Jets. The Jets ran a lot of zone coverage. And guess what? For the first time this year, C.J. Stroud looked like a rookie, where he looked inexperienced. But he's still a heck of a football player. So that's just really – sometimes a scheme can get you and people forget. You know these guys get paid too.
7: They do. They do. Steve, last thing I'll let you go. Um, we haven't talked about a non Panther related item in many weeks, but I had to squeeze this in because you're one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. What did you think about the the, the end of Kansas City Buffalo last night? And what happened with Kadarius Tony and Travis Kelsey in that play?
3: A uh, great play. Um, you know, they got people on online saying that uh, Bob Miller was offsized. The next play, they didn't call it. Listen. Uh, you know, with my most interesting job show on NFL Network, being a referee for a couple of days, man, it's tough. These guys are moving. You got to make the right decision. I would say this. I, you know, I check with the referees. He didn't check with the referees. And Andy Reid comes out and says, uh, you know, he he didn't ever check with him. So. But at the end of the day, it's an unfortunate deal. It, it just really sucks. More than anything, the first thing I about when that happened and they lost. I was like, there's Tony's in trouble overall. He's been a guy at Florida. You know what he was? People drafted him, hoping them to hoping he would be something in New York. Didn't work out. He goes to Kansas city. He is a super bowl champion. He's on that roster. This is just me. I would anticipate, um, I don't believe he will be on that roster, not because of that, but all of the things. He lacks concentration. He doesn't finish. And ultimately, when you're a wide receiver and you don't consistently catch the football, then you no longer will be employed as a wide receiver for that team. And I think that's really, when you sum it up, he just hasn't stepped up to the the type of player that people expected him to be.
7: Steve Smith Sr. You always appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it.
0: You've tuned in to Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The
7: inclusive
0: home of the
1: Charlotte Sports Fan.